Welcome to KidTech, the podcast series about the people and companies shaping the kids' digital media sector. Today, I'm with Emma Scott, CEO of Beano Studios, a rebellious entertainment network for audiences worldwide. Uh, hello, Emma, and welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, so you have done many things before you got to Beano Studios, and obviously, you know, I want to talk about that um, in length. But you were um, previously CEO and founder of Freeset. Um, and then you also worked um, with the BBC's Director General uh, as Chief of Staff in there. How did you go from there to Dennis the Menace and Bino and, and, and everything around all that? Can you sketch that out? Yeah, sure. I mean, I actually started my career in politics, so that just adds another it's sublime to the ridiculous. I'm not quite sure what this is, but ridiculous and sublime. Um, I, I've always been passionate about the media. That's been my background in broadcasting. But I guess what I learned early on was um, I'm a bit of a disruptor. And I suppose throughout my career, whether it's launching Freeview first and then Freesat second, um, in large organisations, they're not always the best at innovation and being able to make the changes or the kind of real pivots that need to happen. So I guess uh, that's been the punctuation in my career that that's what I tend to do for people. And I work for a very disruptive um, director general called Greg Dyke, and he really sort of changed up the BBC. And I had the brilliant opportunity when I worked for him to do loads of different things, set platforms up, do content strategy. Um, never did kids, though. And it was actually when I was at Freesat, which I sort of set up and run for sort of six years, that we were looking really hard at audience behaviour and what was happening with linear TV viewing. And it was very obvious to me about five years ago that the children's audience for television was beginning to collapse. And that's not because kids don't like telly, because they absolutely love it. But, you know, even five years ago, they were leaving uh, television to YouTube and so forth in droves. And I came up with an idea for a kids aggregator, um, which was going to be bringing video in for older kids. This is sort of much more the kind of 8 to 12 market. Um, and I went to talk to DC Thompson, who were funding startups at the time. And they then started talking about the Beano. And so these two different worlds collided. And, I mean, DC Thompson are, um, I suppose, uh, a reasonably traditional media group, um, you might say, in Scotland. So for um, anyone in the US who is listening to this, I mean, how would you describe DC Thompson? I suppose just to give contrast to, to, to everything. Sure, yeah. So DC Thompson, a, a family publishing business. Um, based up in Dundee in Scotland. They're, they're a fairly large British publisher. They publish newspapers and magazines. And since the 1920s, they've specialised quite heavily in children's titles. Um, and the Beano is the world's longest running comic. And it started in 1938 um, and is exceptionally famous in the UK. And part of what I'm doing is taking that fame and reinventing it globally now for new audiences. So, uh, but yeah, traditional print hadn't done much on the digital front around kids. I mean, they sound like unlikely disruptors. Do you know what? They're not because they also have an investment wing to their business, which is the part I approached originally. And uh, you know, they they started off making their money in shipping and selling jute around the world, and then got into publishing and very much took opportunities around publishing to be printing two million Beano comics a week in its its heyday in hmm. the 1950s. That would have been, you know, more than half of all kids in the UK reading it every week. So, you know, they, they've got track record in it. 
I think on the digital front, um, in their traditional businesses, I think like all publishers, they it, it's who's going to budge first. Mm. I, but to give them their due, they have 100% backed me on this incredible journey that we've taken the Beano on over the last few years. And uh, you, you've got to hand that to them because we have undergone a transformation mm. and it's quite a radical one. Um, but they very much love the Beano brand. It's much loved in the UK. It's very you know, emblematic of a lot of things to British children. And they want it to survive. And so what, what was the vision for Beano Studios that you presented them with? And, and I mean, it, w- it will have undoubtedly evolved over the years, but h- how did you see it? So I always say there's two parts to our business. There's the intellectual property side, the character side of the business, which is taking the very famous uh, characters in the comic and reimagining them. Because if you were going to create the Beano today, you wouldn't create a print product. You would create something video, audio-visual. Right. Um, so the obvious carryover from that is television and film. Um, so we have one side of the business, which is the studio, where we are working with broadcasters, streamers uh, around the world to create TV shows or short-form content. Um, and then the other part is the platform. And I guess my greatest analogy is if a comic is a platform in one form, uh, it's an aggregation of content, um, and a platform now is digital. Um, and I'm the queen of platforms, and I think there's some... I wouldn't have created a platform for the Beano if there was something in the UK that we could have placed our content on. Right. But there isn't. I mean, where does YouTube sit? YouTube, YouTube's fascinating, and YouTube's part of what we do, the mm. network, but it's not designed for children. Mm. Uh, and even YouTube Kids is very preschool, mm. and if you look at all the Ofcom data, the British regulator, kids don't watch YouTube right. Kids. Right, yeah. Uh, mm. Certainly not older kids, and I'm very interested in the age group of, sort of 6 to 12, 13, um, and I thought it was an opportunity to to look at if you own the platform, then you own the insight and the data. Mm. Uh, as compliant as we absolutely are with copper and GDPR, uh, and we all know that being able to access the the background data around anything at the moment is the keys to prize, mm. and more likely to be there. So, I guess I've always worked for broadcasters and platforms where you own that. Right own that sort of infrastructure but 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 I mean you started I mean the platform wasn't really there when you began so how, how have you like when you sort of think about the journey from I guess the IP and the content piece was obviously there into what you have today with Beano Studios in terms of the network and, and, and that whole platform thing that that was that's a non-trivial task <laughs> to, to, to take on yeah it's it's, it's not trivial mm-hmm. um, and you know again all strengths to the Thompsons for backing us doing that I think the vision was definitely... We, we deliberated about whether or not to use YouTube and, our, and third-party networks, mm. but we kept coming back to the fact that there were not places for children right. where it was an aggregation of lots of content which was really specific for them. And, you know, we if you look at Beano.com, it's not about the characters. There is some character stuff mm. there, but it's pretty much, you know, a kind of an amazing mix of third-party IP... Uh, it's video and quiz content largely Um, but we're reflecting kids lives back to them and that I saw as the opportunity because there's something there is a truth about broadcasters which I will always hang on to which is they reflect back people's lives and take them on journeys uh, to places they didn't know kind of existed before Hmm. and that aggregation and the kind of the bringing together of content that's the skill 
the what a you know, channel commissioner does is they're looking at everything they've got and placing it in the right place. And YouTube doesn't do that. It's just right, one right. long stream of what everything comes out. And an algorithm is telling you what to watch. So, so do you think that fundamentally a kids' content platform has to be human curated, manually curated? I'm a really strong believer in editorial curation. Mm. There's absolutely place for algorithm and um, you know recommendations and personalization sure, allow sure. you to do that. But I'm such a big believer in allowing... You have so many choices in life, and sometimes when you want to be entertained, you want to sit back and have somebody else take those choices for you. But there's also sit-forward moments, and mm-hmm. we have the mix. So in video, right. we'll give you endless video, and we'll curate it in ways that we think might be interesting to you and link it to other things. Mm-hmm. In quizzes, it's a very sit-forward moment. Right, right, um, right. And who would know that we would be big quiz fans three years ago, but we are, mm-hmm. and that's one of their key... Um, areas that we collect insight around kids and kids' behaviour, and then with the with the content arm, which is still going strong because it's it's done very well on CBBC, um, and you are going to be launching a live action show. Is that still the plan? Yeah, we launched it in October. So oh, yeah, already yeah, launched. Okay, yeah, so and, and, but and <coughs> I, because presumably you're able to take learnings from that and with other platforms and then apply it to your own view on the, on, on how yours emerges yeah, and develops. So yeah. how, how, did, how does the interplay work? Well, it does. It, it's fascinating, and that's real kind of quite bleeding edge. Really, nobody else is. I mean, the, the broadcasters in other countries will like a Nickelodeon. Obviously, they'll produce their own content, but mm. they'll clip stuff and put it on YouTube and their site. I guess what we've got is an amalgam of short form, which is presenters and mm. you know all sorts of things on our channel, um, our network, and then we have long form programs that we sell to broadcasters. Mm. Although we retain clip rights that we use on our own site. Right. So we've got Denison National Unleashed, which is the big CGI animation. So we've sold that in thirty countries now. And it's doing incredibly well in, in thirty countries. Because yeah. it's funny. Because whenever I look at Dennis, uh, like I always think he, you know, it's an unusual IP for for twenty nineteen. It's just a ten year old boy. Just just causing trouble. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a ten year old boy that you know with the rebellious spirit that we all want. Um, <laughs> and there's a truth about that. That's why he's yeah, lasted yeah. since you know right. the nineteen fifties. Um, yeah, he's never been outside the UK before. He's been to Australia. Right. Um, but we've sold him in all the major European really? countries. He's rating really well in Germany at the moment. It's obviously not in English there. He's German. <laughs> and he's got a slightly different... What, what is what is German for Dennis? The it's, Dennis it's, it's Dennis. It just goes with Dennis. Fleischer, Blam, Tashti. Right. Um, we have sold it to the States. We haven't announced who to Oh, really? Great. That's very exciting. And um, we're very, very... You know, China is there for us. So... We're sort of rolling out to the rest of the world now. So, you know, there's a kind of great British story that you can take an IP that's 67 and uh, reinvent it. It's quite amazing. And Do you think about um, investing further in content and new IPs for your content arm? Or do you think about that for the platform? Or when you think about new IP investment, how do you think? Yeah, both. I mean, on the on the sort of TV long form side where you're asking people to pay you for, mm. for really high quality linear um, TV shows, we're both a combination of our own characters. But the show we launched on Sky in October is actually entirely inspired by Beano.com. So it's our presenters from Beano.com in a TV show which then clips elements of Beano.com together. So it's kind of like a wild Saturday morning TV show. Mm. But also in the studio part of the business, we are going to create new IPs of our own. We'll use Beano ones where we can make great shows and they they sell. Um, But the idea is sort of based on this essence of 
comedy, rebellion, kind of liveliness that in the English language world globally, we're kind of open for business. Mm-hmm. And then we also pilot ideas that we might create for te- telly on Vino.com. So there's lots of comedy sketches and short form animation. And that was the brilliance about Sky because they saw what we had done digitally and asked us to make a show about it. Right. So I see sort of plenty of opportunities for... You know, the duration of programmes are going to change. So whilst mm. we're still traditionally linked to kind of 11 minutes or 22 minutes as commercial half hours, it doesn't duration doesn't matter online. Right. And we've seen, you know, everybody sees how... You know, you can do 90-second pieces and they do exceptionally well, but television doesn't... Schedules don't adapt to that. Mm. So I think that's a really interesting space going forward. So we invest heavily in our own content for our own purposes mm-hmm. and then we work with broadcasters and streamers um, to create IPs and for them. And the, the revenue model for the, for the platform is advertising so it's, it's it's sort of avod or how do you how do you think about no, all of that? I, we get a level of advertising thank you very much Dylan from super awesome um on site itself mm-hmm. we do on site kind of activations mm-hmm. for brands but i think the largest revenue streams that we're going to see are from off screen brand partnerships mm-hmm. so that's using our analytical data and insight skills our insight around children because we interview 20 kids every week and we get a huge amount of data back, anonymized data back from the platform. And that allows us to either create brand propositions for third parties. So that might be a creative campaign that's not Beano branded at all or might be using Beano assets for a brand. So we're, we're mm-hmm. doing financial services, we're doing sport, and, and we're doing shops, we're d- doing all sorts. Of d- this is through the, or partially through the consultancy vehicle that's that right. you set up. Yes, yeah, so for Brands, which we launched in the autumn. So that's really kind of taking what we've learned and helping other brands, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. But what the brilliance of having the platform is we're proving our creative creds every single day. We're proving we've reached a very large audience. And now that we've opened up in the US and we're allowing the kind of traffic to come in, the interesting thing will be in a country where we're not known at all, how can we work with brands in the US? Because something we both share in common is the fact that not many people take the kids' market particularly seriously or have always said it's just too difficult. Mm. My viewpoint remains the same, which is there's a lot of money in that market. You've just got to find new and different ways of wanting people to work with you to, to get them to spend it. And I read um, in an interview that you did sometime last year that you think in general the media industry doesn't doesn't sort of consider kids enough. What did you mean by that? Did you mean they don't they don't understand it or they're genuinely or they're ignoring it or, or, or a bit of both in that sense? I mean I think I mean, it's a fact, isn't it, that most kids' media is obviously made by adults. Sure, that's yeah. the That's the harsh reality, isn't it? Maybe that's a good thing, I don't know. Uh, but adults for adults can go too far. And uh, what we really stick close to is the kind of mantra, think more kid. And that means that by asking children a lot about what they're into and what's exciting for them and what makes them tick really allows us as a business to kind of creatively mm. make really relevant um, content and that doesn't mean like they like slimes so let's make loads of slime videos it can be that kids are really fascinated and passionate about sustainability mm. because they're going to be living with the problems in the future and they take it very seriously um, so you know whilst we're a comedy brand sustainability for us might have a different edge to it hmm. but I think you've got to take on board your audience's 
likes and dislikes because actually that's what publishers do in print and that's what broadcasters do. They will endlessly talk to their audience. Mm. But somehow that doesn't happen in children's. Yeah, there's, I think people seem to default to a, to a, to a patronising sort of philosophy with kids. Yes, very much. I and they are, I mean, you know, gosh, I've got 12, 13-year-old 12, girls, I can tell you. They, they, they know when brands are patronising them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, and they will leave them in herds. And, I mean, I suppose you must have been seeing, and, and, and probably part of, the discussion about children's digital health and screen time and, and all of these emerging concerns. I mean, where, I suppose, as a, as a publisher, as a platform, how do you think about, about those concerns and how do you navigate those ones? Yeah, I mean, we take it very seriously. I mean, I think this idea that you can, well, limit screen time, I mean, hilarious. That's like holding back the tide, really. That, I, that, I imagine you're not <laughs> succeeding with, with your 12 and 13 year olds. I'm getting very good at getting around the Netflix password, which they seem to crack on a regular basis. But um, I think it's a bit King Canute-wise, this, all of this coming in later in the day and saying it's you've got to stop it all and kind of have your a number of screen time. And the debate is fascinating. And as a parent, you know, we can all see that it's not all good. And we at the Beano would love kids to go outside as much as kind of have a look at us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's like anything, isn't it? Which, if it's bad for you questions still out on that there's so many benefits in digital mm. um, and it is going to be these children's lives I think the bigger concern is what they're watching online and where they're going mm. and the fact that children are far more digitally literate than their parents are mm. and you know me constantly changing the pen number is just literally it is like plugging the dike with your thumb mm. so you know where is the bigger debate here about uh, how you educate this generation to use digital in a powerful way um, rather than watch, you know, ropey videos on YouTube, mm. which is just a bit boring in the end of it. But I think the self-censorship of children is very high. I'm not saying that's the answer. Sure. But they, you know, I feel for them. I really do. Mm. I think they're in a world that's not been constructed for them and they're trying to find great stuff in it. Right. And that's kind of, that sucks. And do you think, I mean, we've talked about this sort of separately before. I mean, to your point about kids using fundamentally an adult digital media world, do you think that, that, that this change is going to come from the big tech companies? Do you think it's going to come from the emerging sort of kid tech startups? Like, wh- where do you think, how do you think this change starts to happen? Well, I mean, what we do at Bina Studios is we very much put privacy, you know, at the heart of what we do. We have to be compliant and we want to be compliant. And for us, it's all about privacy by design. So we, that is, at the beginning, Mm. it is putting children's, you know, well-being at the beginning of the process. And then you go from that, same as you guys, super awesome. Now, if you're Facebook or Google, you're not actually interested in the audience under 13, even though they'll be getting ad revenues around it. And they're not compliant. And so they're not going to create their products at the moment Mm. based on that audience. However, I think what will happen is that a lot of pressure will come, so the you know Facebook Kids app will happen, but they'll try and put them in their own isolated places, which of course doesn't reflect media consumption for children because mm. they're, they're dipping into the adult world. And there's lots of content in the grown-up world which is suitable, whether it's Blue Planet or you know right. whatever on Netflix. I think I think kid tech companies will take it seriously. I think eventually the Fangs will 
be forced to do something mm. but I don't think they're going to want to do it because it's costly um, I think that's a missed trick because those audiences could be loyal to them in the future mm. if they do create positive experiences I, I mean how disruptive do you think kids are going to be in five years time I mean are, are more or less than the last couple of cohorts that we've seen they're very conservative the the cohort coming through the general. Do, do you think? Yeah. Hmm. But conservative in a hippie-ish way is what we talk about. <laughs> Explain that. So they're very, they're very, very passionate about causes. And I think we're going to see a much more, uh, a generation coming through who will debate and challenge, and but, but not through the normal means, that, that they will uh, really want to take on uh, you know some of the wrongs in the world, but in, in different ways, and they'll do that digitally. Mm. But they're also quite conservative because they've lived in a world where they have been bombarded with content and images and pictures they don't particularly want. So I think their worlds shrink down, which might make them kind of slightly cautious. Mm. Um, so I think they're quite fascinating. The, the semiotic studies all say that um, they're going to be more like Gen Xers um, than the millennials. And, and do you think, I mean, with, with the privacy laws that have been rolled out, which you mentioned earlier, COPPA and, and, and GDPRK, I mean, obviously, as companies, as, as technology owners and publishers and everything else, we pay attention to them and we're very familiar with them. Are they having an impact on kids? Do kids, do kids think about privacy, do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think they do a lot. I think they've been taught to at school. So that's that something I think they've really done a pretty good job of in, in British schools anyway. <laughs> uh, don't, don't do what your parents did and give all your data to Facebook. So I think they're pretty savvy. That's going to be interesting for brands in the future. Mm. Um, I mean, look, none of this regulation is perfect, is it? And, uh, you know, there's aspects of copper which just don't make sense, like you can't share uh, content from sites, which mm. doesn't reflect real life. But, you know, we're really at the edge of, you know, we, we push very, very hard on on the regulations to make sure that we're 100% compliant, but they're new, right? So we're always pushing the boundaries to see what we can do because otherwise you're not going to innovate you just remain the same I mean I mean it's it's a very unique sector that we operate in fundamentally sort of a privacy based digital media sector I mean as you think about building this new digital business that's funded by a traditional uh, media business you've got sort of unique challenges how, how do you sort of juggle all of those things um, well I mean you know on the pri- going back to the privacy side, you know, maybe the worlds that we're creating for kids are the ones they're going to expect as adults mm. because they're protected and they're not giving their data away and they're not getting bombarded. That's quite a nice place to be. That's where I was about 10 years ago on the internet. <laughs> um, and I wonder whether, you know, they see the Wild West out there and they see themselves getting, you know, offered rubbish you know videos elsewhere and that's not necessarily what they want so that's an interesting conundrum which i think maybe the industry needs to look at that in the small pockets where they go like beano.com um they they're having a nice old time thank you very much mm. um how do you how do you kind of align the old and the new well we we as a business are sort of operating as a sort of very entrepreneurial startup which is funded by a traditional business the learnings are kind of constant mm. and we are kind of forging new paths, uh, which is very scary at times. And, you know, as you sort of suggested, where you start off is not where you end up. And I couldn't predict what, you know, 18 months ahead really at the moment. Mm. But 
I guess what we are seeing are very large audiences. So when you know you're doing something right when the audience comes to you, mm. and then I guess if you look on, you know, in traditional media where the audiences are leaving, is that about placement? Is that about uh, availability? Is that about price? What, what is it? Um, and the, the immediacy of digital and having access to content in curated places is clearly appealing to an audience. Mm. So you've got to chase after that audience because just like it was back in the 50s when they're selling 2 million copies, you know, I'm re- reaching 750,000 uniques monthly right. and growing and growing and growing um, because the content's right. Right. And I mean, it's an interesting parallel if you look at the adult um, ecosystem, you know, where you've got, I suppose, the clear winners from the content platform perspective with, with Netflix and Amazon and YouTube, probably Disney with what they're rolling out. Um, and you can you can see sort of the, the ad platforms, the brand platforms there, sort of Facebook and Google. Like in the kids space, when you think sort of five years into the future or even further, you know, where it's still very fragmented today, what, what do you think that more mature environment looks like? I think if Disney gets it right mm. and spends the money, huge amounts of money they'll need to spend, just by their sheer market power, I think they will hopefully manage to kind of re-establish themselves. Mm. But do, do you think Disney, Disney will, will try and take that kids' content piece away from Netflix kids content or do you think it gets this shared because I was trying to figure out like what, like where does the role of kids content in, in, in SVOD in particular and subscription yeah, videos I, I think the brand is huge mm. so the Netflix brand is is synonymous with good stuff with children and they have done an exceptional job at commissioning really high quality uh, very sticky content um for I'd say the kind of 8 to 14 market and when we ask our trend spotters who we talk to every week they do not mention linear channels they do not mention Disney mm. they just talk about Netflix they don't talk about Amazon um, I think the Amazon office so, so, they're, so they're talking about Netflix but not Disney not no. Amazon wow no and I think Disney from a, a brand and position point of view you know for that older group who once you get through the princesses the, the proposition for children in Disney still quite <coughs> quite traditional mm. um, and very of television um, and they'll get there because they've got the cash right mm. but there's something viscerally different between Netflix and indeed YouTube to what the broadcasts are and that's about brand and position and content and just having the savvies about what kids are really into but you get these cyclical changes I mean mm. I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation. Um, you know, withholding content from Netflix, which is what Disney's doing, is definitely one route. Mm. Um, and all of the studios will all start clubbing together in the States to kind of crowd out. But Netflix has got the audience at the moment. It's got a lot of debt as well, but it's got well, the audience. Well, it, it does. I mean, do you think YouTube properly figures out kids in the next five to ten years? And, and follow-on question, do they care I don't think they care. Right. Yeah. Um, they, they'll talk a good talk that they care, mm. and they have got YouTube kids and mm. the rest, of, but they don't commission content. Uh, they really don't. It's it's really at the margins, and you know, as a preschool service, um, I think you it's 
say even you put kids in front of YouTube kids and you know there's all the horror stories about the content that's there it's not where their money's coming from mm. they're always going to look at where their money's coming from and you know on a global basis they're going to pick their fights aren't they um so it's a worry, really. Like, where's the content going to come from? I guess that's part of the reason we set up, you know, studios was, you know, where does that take us? Where, what position does that put us in the future? You know, I mean, who can we partner with? Is that is that your objective from a from a platform perspective to be, you know, if not literally this sort of the YouTube for kids as a content distribution platform, but you know, one of those main players in the next five years? Do you see yourself in those terms? I think. I think for us, we never want to be number one. That's not our ambition. We want enough. That's a, that's a very strange thing to say. <laughs> no, we want to be big enough, mm. big enough and relevant enough to to keep creating the very best content because what that will bring are revenues to help us sustain and build the business further. Mm. If what you want to be is number one and be the biggest, like Netflix, that's a very, very, very costly mm. way of going about things. And also, we are part of a relatively small publishing empire, um, and you know there's going to be there's a limit naturally to how much money you can invest in the business. But what I think we can do is we we are and we have built a very strong audience, mm. and I wonder in the future who we might partner with to make it even bigger. Because because you're I mean the success of Beano Studios is is quite unusual because you know for for probably three reasons. I mean one you have been financed by you know a traditional not huge um, media company um, two you're doing it um, in an audience sector which is very difficult you know compared to compared to others and um, you know that I'm, I'm trying to think of who you would be compared with in terms, of, but but in terms Making of, it sound like I shouldn't have started this. Still. No, 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 no. But 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 in terms of the what the, the success that you've had, yeah. and and what you have built, it's just it's 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 quite unusual, you know, given all of those challenges. Yeah, that's in part the of the reason I did it because there was a gap in the market. You know, you go for gaps in the so market. It's back back to the the the, the disruption thing. Yeah. Again. yeah. Free view was a gap in the market. Mm. Free set was a gap in the market. iPlayer was, you know. You, you go for where the audience is moving to mm. and you create propositions around it. But but do you, but do you think, I mean, you, you sort of make this sound, I know it, it certainly hasn't been easy, you make it sound straightforward. It absolutely hasn't been. For, I mean, there are many, many other sort of, you know, mid-tier and, 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 and bigger media companies who are all facing this challenge and none of them are executing quite the way that you are. I mean, what if you were to offer them advice? <laughs> what what would you be saying? What should they learn from you? Listen to your audience. Mm. Always listen to your audience. You know, and that's I learned that very early on in my career because if you create something that you think is brilliant yourself, it might not be brilliant for the next mm. person. And I think just you know, entertainment in the end, it's it's about quality. Uh, we you know, clickbaity kind of little bits and bobs of stuff is the kids can see what that is sure, yeah. so our quality bar is very high um, and I think you know where there's a will there's a way I'm a real believer we've got an amazing team We and they're really passionate about it because they're building something very new and very different mm. and you know we put the pedal on in the States over Christmas start spending some marketing money for the first time and like the Going gangbusters now yeah. because, but that's because the content's great. And and that's back to to the point you made earlier about about the need for the profound need for authenticity. I think with kids and and, and that's interesting that you've that was my third thing. You have taken a UK 
fundamentally a UK brand, UK IP in some sense, and brought that to the US. Yeah, with, and it's about it's, that the reason Dennis is successful in Germany is because he's authentic. Mm. Uh, and our content in the, and I love this idea that American kids don't watch British content well they're watching ours right. and it seems to be working they seem to understand the accent okay right. um, we've been listening to American accents for a very long time so there's myths aren't there uh, but authenticity quality listening to your audience um, and look it's not easy this has not been an easy journey at mm. all uh, but it's been it's, it's, it's coming to fruition now so we'll have to see where we get to next and final question, given your love of, of disruption and your political background, I'm curious whether you have any aspirations to move into the political arena. Absolutely not. Given, given <laughs> there seem to be many gaps in all of these markets though right now. Oh, just... yeah, well, there's a huge gaping <laughs> hole in our market. Oh, my goodness. No, I did my stint in the House of Commons for a couple of years and the European Parliament. Fascinating. Will not be returning that. <laughs> okay, well, Emma Scott, Queen of Platforms and CEO of Bino Studios, thank you very much for joining us today in Good Tech. Thank you.